0: We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom.
1: Across the UK, online and on DAB,
0: the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Human Zoo,
2: where they don't hide away the sick animals.
0: Dangerous mid-morning debate with the
2: Great Dictator.
3: The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. It's time to attend to when I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. This mass!
4: Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It's a big day in the United States today as Democrats and Republicans prepared to turn out in record numbers to either give a massive boost to Donald Trump or attempt to put the brakes on the presidency that has divided a nation. We'll bring you all the results as they come in later on tonight and it all seems to be very, very, very finely balanced on a knife edge at the moment. Georgie Frost joins me today. We're kicking off with adoption and just why people are so loath to adopt children these days. The number of people adopting children has fallen by two-thirds in the past 40 years and in the same period, six Successful IVF treatment has risen by 29%. I'm not sure if the two things are related, but we're going to see if we can find out precisely what that all means. 0344. Would you adopt a child uh, in this day and age, in this current climate, or would you not? Coming up, we'll be finding out why the National Trust thought it was a great idea to cover up a load of male sculptures with sheets in an art gallery, and why the new Doctor Who has lost a quarter of its audience by being too PC. Plus, we'll be asking whether capping energy prices is actually a bad idea, uh, because Georgie's not keen. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Georgie Frost on Talk Radio.
3: The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. We're
5: gonna rock down to
4: Electric Avenue And then we'll
5: take it higher Oh, we're gonna rock down to Electric Avenue
4: This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, 03444991000. Georgie Frost is here with me. A TMU says, absolutely incredible. Loads and loads of people adopt animals, and you see people talking about it, sharing things about it, and more charities being supported. But for children, it seems different. Should it be? Uh, there must be a reason why. Well, we've always known, uh, I'm afraid, that uh, you know certainly when I was in the newspaper business, you would get far more money raised if you were trying to raise money to save some animal uh, than if you were actually trying to raise some money to save a child. Because yep. people in this country are far more willing to help animals animals than they are to help children and that's part of the problem of of the fact that there are so many kids who are not being adopted because there's not enough people who want to adopt them. Three to one is the current situation where there are three children for every one adoptive parent, which means you're
1: never going to get rid of the backlog of kids who need a decent home. I know we know that animal charities get a lot more uh, funding. I know people want to give money to animal charities, but I don't necessarily think that there's a link between people necessarily more likely to adopt a dog over a child, given well, the fact are. that a dog's well, probably going to last, I don't know, ballpark well, yeah, well, the evidence, about seven to ten yeah, years. The
4: evidence is there. I mean, obviously you're adopting a dog because you can't actually have a dog you know clearly there's a difference but the <laughs> point
1: is that yeah but the you two know, aren't necessarily correlated well no but
4: what I'm saying is, is people are far more willing to, to be more helpful to animals in this country than they are to be helpful to children it's as simple as that well, they just, that's just tend a not to come
1: with so many issues and they tend not to last as long
4: that's yeah, well, I don't think it's anything to do with that. I'm just, my point is, is that, you know, as he says, people are willing to adopt dogs. They're willing to give money to jo- dog-type charities. What they're not willing to do is adopt a child. Of course, it's a, mu- a much different op- a yeah, situation. But, difference. you know, it's an interesting uh, point to make. Of course it is. Now, you let's look at that. uh, something that's going on in Northumberland, which has dr- been drawn to our attention. It's a three-week exhibition that was in a National Trust property, uh, the home of L- Lord Armstrong, a uh, place called Cragside, okay? Now, they've got a lot of sculptures in this place, a lot of paintings, and mm. you can go there, pay your money. Money, go around the, uh, the, the the stately home and look at all the wonderful works of well, art. The problem is, right, uh, that the people that run the trust uh, up there decided it would be a good idea as part of their celebration uh, of uh, women and power that they would actually cover up any uh, piece of art that had involved the depiction of a man, i.e. if it was a painting that was a painting of a man, or indeed if it was a sculpture of a man, uh, they threw a sheet over it so you couldn't see it. Absolutely unbelievable a PC correctness, ridiculousness. Let's talk to Manik yeah. Govinda, uh, freelance art correspondent, find out what is going on out there. Uh, Manik, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. It's mad, isn't it? I mean, occasionally you see something in the newspaper and you just go, yes, the world has gone officially mad. Um, let's try and see why they ever Thought this was a good idea. Uh, I mean,
5: yes, it's, this is uh, absolute idiocy. Right. Um, uh, you know, if it is about uh, celebrating the uh, centenary of the, uh, the, the women's vote and the suffragettes, um, this is pure nonsense. I mean, the um, whoever you know is responsible for this really needs to do some history. This is a building um, uh, in the late uh, uh, you know nineteenth century, um, and. Um, Lord Armstrong's, you know, um, um, bequeathment, uh, you know, or the National Trust, kind of uh, uh, looking after this building. It's a nineteenth-century building with nineteenth-century artworks. Yes. of course, most of the painters in those days were men. We all know that. Uh, so, what kind of finger-wagging um, lecturing is going on here? Yes, it's, um, it's 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 ridiculous.
1: What is it? Is it the fact that you don't? I mean, because this is political art, right? I would assume is, this is with yeah. the argument here. So, is it the fact that you would agree with this generally, but just not here, or is this this the world gone mad? Well, I think I think cause, you know it's
5: insulting the public's intelligence. Um, people are paying to come to to, to do visits, you know, to this National Trust building. It's it's a family day out, and why the insulting their intelligence? Well, I think. Um, you know as soon as you start to uh, lecture the public in this um high handed way um by covering up artworks that were made in the nineteenth century um to make a point that um women are invisible um that they were excluded um in 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 um uh, in artistic life as well as political life or social life then um it, it just felt like this is something that a school child would learn. In secondary school or primary school, if they're they're studying the Victorians, Um, we all know it was very period. uh, Sorry, uh, there was was a real kind of high morality around it. Women should be seen and not heard, and um, but the um, the the kind of um, virtue signalling and just telling people that um, men were. More dominant in the nineteenth century, I think we all know that. But
4: actually, and,
1: uh, but actually a, a lot of people won't, w- no, won't know that. And next to this sort of stark Why they know covering, well, they might not know that, right? You don't think you don't well, realize you can't, go through, yeah, you can't go
4: through life assuming people are completely not buffoon, Sure, no, not
1: at all, not at all. But the point of this was to cover up artwork just to prove how, as you say, Manic, how hidden women were in that life, both what, in, by covering up in society else? and on canvas. And you know, Manic, as as a, an arts correspondent, you have to agree with that. Women were largely excluded from a lot of artwork, from a lot of those people that, you know, the painters and the artists themselves. And actually, this is to highlight a point. And a lot of people won't know. You know, I wouldn't know until yeah, but I realised the whole of this house is covered. And yeah, I don't if agree with that because I'm a you, National you, if Trust member. Surely, but if you go to a
4: National Trust exhibition expecting to see pictures of men and pictures of whatever was being depicted at that time, you would be reasonably well connected uh, with the arts world. You would probably know uh, that there are not very many women in the pictures because they weren't generally drawn. But uh, but well, to cover something else up... Link. Well, I don't think link. so. I mean, you know lots of ignorant people that go to the National Trust exhibits and know nothing about arts.
5: Do you? Uh, and, another way to do it, to, uh, they could have gone around this, is to actually have a public talk about it. Yeah, exactly. I did talk. Yeah. Um, you know, looking at the artworks that, uh, yes, there that's are... That's better um, idea. There are... Um, Figures, you know, of, of women and, and young girls, uh, and that's part of a particular um, period of history. So, yeah, I think you can enlighten people by actually opening up a, a discussion around that period. But to, how, would you you know, that, extent, how would you do that, though? How
1: would you do that? Because it's very difficult to do that.
5: Well, you can. Uh, I think there's most there's a lot of guided walks that uh, happen in in public museums and galleries, and uh, so. But well, they're not going
1: to I make the papers that? and whether you agree with this National Trust thing or not, well, it has actually highlighted a point and put the National Trust in the press for good or bad. But what, I mean, they, I don't well agree what they always end up saying,
4: right, this is now the, 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 the catch all get out clause for anybody who ever does anything stupid. They go, oh, uh, this was uh, supposed to be to simulate debate. It wasn't at all to stimulate debate. No. They didn't know, think anyone would notice, and they thought it'd be quite cool and clever because they're all students. So these are the same sort of people that decide that wearing a poppy is a bad idea. Of
1: you know, course, that's course the they problem. thought people would notice. That's the nah, whole point. I this think is so. a PR exercise, surely.
5: Oh, no, sure, sure. I mean, uh, people should have demanded their money back. It sounds exactly. like it caused a lot of anger. Um and and people feel patronized it's um it's like what happened at manchester with uh, the 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 jw Waterhouse painting uh and the nymphs there's a massive backlash when people um uh, an art project uh, um, curators removed the painting and said what do you think so the public were furious about it it backfires and doesn't do good to any um cause that you're trying to highlight and if it is about women's equality in um, you know, a hundred years later let 's talk about what the achievements of now not um you know, what was going on.
4: I mean, these are the kind of of movements that that are talking about removing statues from places. Uh, It's the same kind of mentality, isn't it? To a certain
1: extent, I agree with that, but I do wonder if this says less about women and making a statement and more about the National Trust trying to be relevant to the next generation.
5: that's a good point, Uh, and I think the National Trust... uh, Because they've uh, been
1: embroiled in controversy before, haven't they?
5: They have, yeah. Uh, And I think the National Trust is trying to be... Uh, Relevant to the 21st century, but, you know, to look at historical buildings and historical figures uh, through the lens of the 21st century is... um you can pick everything. Yeah. You? you might as well just knock down the whole building. Well, you know, exactly. I mean, funnily enough,
4: it's the kind of thing we saw ISIS doing, yeah, knocking exactly. down temples and blowing up the Taliban, blowing up temples and, and those wonderful cave statues in mm. uh, Afghanistan, because, you know, it doesn't fit with what we want to do now. Mm. Well, I'm sorry. The National Trust has uh, a r- responsibility to actually help educate people in our history, not to change the history
6: yeah and we have to
5: look at it of uh, of its time these are buildings of their time they are beautiful buildings they're very um uh, opulent and they're wonderful places to visit um and i think there's great pleasure to be had by looking at the past you may not um agree with everything that's there and, and certainly you know with paintings and uh, artworks um you one's curious uh, about what that figure is. You know, if there's a little girl selling oranges, what's, what's that about? Mm. Was she a poor girl? Was she a, a you know, um, you know so it does open up history. It opens up history of that period. Not all the paintings are great. You know, there's quite a lot of vanity um, paintings at that time um, of um, people like Lord Armstrong and Lady Armstrong. But, um, you know, that's that, that's. Um, these were these were philanthropists right. and it's his art collection effectively
4: yeah. So yeah. I mean you so, know with sure here, he'd be delighted Sorby. that uh, you know they're all covering up his uh, his art collection that he donated for the good of the country
1: Look, manic I just want to ask you because Mike you spoke about there you know you made that link between Isis and obviously that's a big leap towards that but however manic what are you making of these stories that keep coming up and I keep I was thinking of the one in Southampton where the Students' Union was covering up pictures of, of white males in you know world. War yeah. One, what are you yeah. making of the way that modern society is now looking back at artwork and almost trying to cover it up as though this didn't happen?
5: I think I think there's a kind of loss of authority in uh, in the cultural and um, um, academic um, uh, institutions um, it feels that um, curators and directors almost wanting to kind of say well let's just give you the voice and then the uh, invited artists or students um, uh, and so forth are a kind of given free reign to, um, to, to play around in this kind of uh, performance yeah. intervention um, of... Um, I think uh, they maybe the, need
4: to start taking their history a little bit more seriously. Maybe we need to start teaching <laughs> history better uh, in the classroom as well, in schools. I think there's a large r- uh, responsibility there. Somehow these kids are coming out of school thinking that, you know, well, certain things are not acceptable anymore, yeah. so we shouldn't be allowed to talk about them.
5: We're we're abdicating responsibility, and uh, you know it sounds like this is a um, maybe it's good that the student wasn't named, but it's uh, mentioned um, (laughs) that it was a student's project. And if I was a lecturer and I do mentor a lot of young artists, I would really question um, uh, the the reason um, why this you know this. This uh, intervention. Why do something like this
1: in a national trust
5: building? Yeah, yeah, uh, Ask a lot more questions and get them to really rethink what they're doing. Sometimes, but
1: Manik, have we not seen this sort of behaviour in the past? Some sort of hundreds of years ago, I think, wasn't the Roman, uh, the Church in Rome? Didn't they get very funny about certain male genitalia? You know, there was very puritanical kind of views in the past in which we've seen artwork covered up. That's right,
5: and, you know... <laughs> we're, oh, we don't go back to that, we? enlightened kind of period now, yeah. you know, very progressive. Mm. We've had the, the sexual revolution in the 60s, and um, and that's changed, you know, uh, people's attitudes um, around uh, uh, the nudes in, in art. And uh, um, so we, we shouldn't be going back to this kind of neo-Victorian um, values where, you know, are we going to start covering... Um, uh, the, you know, t- Table, uh, the, 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 the uh, yeah, table, the chairs, um, the table yeah, legs, you know, and all uh, that. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs>
4: shocking, ridiculous, absolutely mad. <laughs> you know,
5: I know, uh, crazy. It's, Manic, it's, listen, it's, 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 you know, who knows where this will go, but it needs to be
4: stopped. It does need to be crack, stopped before yeah. it goes any further, I think. Manic, thanks very much indeed. Manic Govinda, uh, freelance arts correspondent, There, talking about the craziness uh, of what the mm. National Trust got up to, uh, up in Northumberland. We're going to talk to Ryan now, he's in the New Forest, wants to talk uh, about history. Ryan, very good morning to you. Welcome, good morning, Ada. Yeah, very well, sir. What do you want to say? Um, it's, it's basically about um, uh, the,
2: the, the, I don't know, the taking for granted that everybody in the world is an idiot. Oh, I, I do that myself, <laughs> but I do that because I just prefer to do that. But um, it, it, for a for society to do that is very, very, um, very wrong. Uh, like you said about the, you know, I need to know about the suppression of women during the 18th century and 19th century, do I? Well, I only do if I look it up and I need to, because surely uh, society moves forward. You're meant to look forward as you walk forward, not look backward, moaning about whatever's just gone on. And you walk backwards into something. I mean, it just seems like uh, it, it just seems like a bit of a just a stupid situation. All right. Then um, what
1: do you think about us celebrating the centenary of the First World War on poppies? Should um, well, we look forward on that well, one and we're not commemorating it, aren't we, rather than celebrating it? Well, what this is commemorating is the work of uh, Women in Power programme related to women's suffrage. So you're it's not... commemorating the work that women's, suff- women's Lib did for getting us the is that what, Is that what they've been doing? What, that's by essentially covering what they're Yeah, that's what they're saying. Okay, They're just doing it in their way to mark it. Sorry, market. Ryan, I'm
4: not following this one. You can perhaps explain <laughs> it to me.
2: Oh, it's, it's, I don't feel that's, that's not commemorating um, the suppression of women or women's role, is it? I mean, uh, if you're going to look at that, you'd probably look at the... The, the things that women managed to push through during that suppression and then highlight that rather than to, uh, uh, applying modern thinking to an old, uh, you know, to an old infrastructure. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it comes from the ground up, and we're looking at it from the top down, and it's not going to... You, you're going to get different perspectives and different views, and it's not going to give you a, a good, you know... actually, You're not actually going to know how it's happened properly. People won't understand how we've got to where we are if we're looking at it from... Um, an unjustified sort of view I
4: mean you know you need to well I agree with you Ryan because what covering up things does is covers them up it doesn't actually reveal anything therefore by its nature it doesn't stimulate debate it just tells you that something in a long time ago uh, was somehow different it doesn't actually explain right, what it was.
1: But, OK, if you take it from the view that it is covering it up, or you could take it from the view, and, and what you were talking mm. about a little bit earlier about ISIS and all this thing, how we need to get rid of things that happened in the past that we don't agree with, right? That's one side of it. Or you can say that this is political art in and of itself, and therefore, what is the point of art? It's to stimulate debate yeah, to a certain up degree. Is,
4: covering up art is not art, So Sorry. is
1: this, well, no, in and of itself, no, it's this not. is saying it's using art to, I'm not saying it is, but that's what people will argue that we're using this sort of art now to stimulate debate, and are we not debating the issues, Well, no, right? because the
4: issue doesn't need debating. You don't have to debate whether or not women were in Do fact we subjugated in the 18th century, as Ryan says. If he wants to know about that, you can find out about it, you can learn about it. It's a fact. It's not debatable. Hang on, I thought you said
1: that we need more education and history in schools, so you're saying yeah. that the only way but you we don't should debate find out about yeah, but, history that, is by looking no, at it for ourselves. No,
4: yeah, but that's true, but you're missing my point. My point is you don't debate whether it was right or wrong. You just say, this is what happened. The problem with what we have nowadays, and I think Ryan will agree with me, is that everybody's debating everything. You don't need to debate whether women should have the vote. Of course they should have the vote, but they didn't have the vote at a time when they were thought to be second-class citizens. That's not a debate, is it, Ryan? But it's
1: talking about the role in well, society. No, deciding. I
2: don't think it... I, I feel that also what we're in danger of as well is that we pull back the draconian views from the past by looking at it this way into modern society. So therefore, we're we, we sort of uh, putting the modern society go, well, I'd never have suppressed women. Yeah. What a pathetic thing. And then we're going to drag the views from a load of men from 100 years ago and apply them to the thinking of these this day and age yeah. and say, oh, all men are predators. Hashtag me too. Watch out for all this. I mean, it's literally, it's, it's a stupid way. That's I'm, I'm annoyed at the approach is so stupid from our society. Not necessarily that it's right or wrong. It's just...
4: Stupid. Yes, I agree with you. I think you're absolutely spot on, Ryan. Thank you very much indeed. Ryan made a lot of sense there uh, from the New Forest, as he often does. The point is is that, you know, we've got to this point by debating things. You don't have to debate absolutely everything. I mean, it's different when you have a radio show in which you debate everything. Why but not? in life, I don't, I'm not interested in my children going to school and debating whether or not really? it was right for them to subjugate women in the 19th but century. But that's not
1: what they're arguing, whether it yeah, was right. Are. What they're showing no, is they the, do now. the role of women no, 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 no. That's in what, no. society in that time no, was hidden. We,
4: no, but the point is, is that they need to teach in schools that that was the role of society. Right? So we
1: don't think... We, hang on a minute. You don't think we should be debating issues? Children should be no. just show facts know. de facto yes. and that's it yes. and learn them yes. and not explore whether those facts are presented in a way well, that's they the can point explore of history, them, but though. you don't
4: debate whether it's right or wrong like for example they don't need to debate whether slavery was right or wrong they just need to know that it happened because the problem is you've got people debating stuff they know nothing about because all they're thinking about is well was this right or wrong but they don't actually have any facts to back up either side of it my point is is that you should go back to teaching history in a way that history needs to be taught, which is about he, what happened in the past, not why it happened. No, that's, but, but compu- that's it I think happened. you're
1: completely wrong. I did a history degree. History is, yes, it is about stuff that happened in the past. But it's also about looking at things from different angles. Because let's be honest, there is not one trick. How is history that, looking at things from Donald different Trump angles? If Donald Trump was to say, and we're going to be talking about this a little bit later, if he was to decide what's written in school books, and he probably could be, then that is why what generations will know for years to come. No, but
4: the point about what's written is school books is it should be factual it shouldn't be opinionated it shouldn't be this was right and that was wrong but it's and about this is right what you're learning. wrong it's well, about it's exploring what, yeah, but that's the often, way it's being taught now
1: often all we've got is primary secondary sources now the further things go it's secondary sources oh, okay. so you need to work out what is the thinking of those sources so what, what you're saying now is you don't them...
4: trust historians is that what you're saying
1: no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you should always be dubious about sources. The same way you should be when you're reading the newspaper. Don't just take things at face value. That is what you learn in okay. history. That is what you so, do as so a job. So all the history
4: that I learned when I was at school about Henry VIII, that was all just rubbish, was it?
1: It's a load of sources. I'm not saying it's rubbish. It's not saying it's rubbish at all. But it's about the historians that took sources and removed sources that they didn't think were relevant enough or uh-huh. didn't think were accurate enough and presented you with something. And you, as an intellectual being, should have the responsibility responsibility then to go and question it to learn a little bit further No, my to... children
4: are not at school to be intellectual beings right they're at school to learn about history i don't want them to learn about whether the history they're being taught was right or wrong i want them to learn about the history then when they're a bit older they can talk but it's about, not about whether it's the history right or
1: wrong. it's about the sources about the presentation we all know no, the way you see things you
4: are... are a good example of what's gone wrong with our education system you've got a history degree <laughs> and you can't explain history to me
1: I've just explained no, history haven't. to you. You've completely history confused is the issue. Not at all, not yes, at you all. Have. How are we supposed to know about what happened in the past?
4: Because you find you find how, some how you do we find some facts? historical okay. document, who right? Who do you believe? Like the Magna Carta. Who do you believe? Is that all made up as well?
1: Who do you believe? What do you mean who do I believe? Who do you believe? So if Donald Trump says this is fake fake well, news. Donald Trump isn't history right? yet. In a hundred yeah, but in a hundred years' time, they're uh-huh. gonna look back. Who do you question? You know the, his inauguration? Do we question what he says about it? Or do we look at the other well, stats you can look as well? Well,
4: you can look at film in that case. That's fine.
1: You can do now. Yeah. Right? So but you that's not in the problem past, then, And even it? the past, if you take a oh, look, look at a lot Oh, look, big of, of
4: empty spaces over there. A a you lot lot can see the, the film. A lot of the
1: pictures during Stalin's era, they washed out people who were in the picture, right? So you need to have multiple sources to say, by yeah, the way, this well, that's why it. good
4: journalism is quite handy in these matters, go. right? There you go.
1: So, well, what's journalism then?
4: Journalism she is reporting presenting hard. the facts. How do you get to the, the facts? facts? Well, I've been filtering. a journalist all my life. I know how to pre- present facts, thank you.
1: Okay, but how do you get to the facts? Well, you get to the facts by being there do you believe- so, a person and, comes and, off- and not sitting
4: behind a desk and writing about something that you're watching on a TV screen.
1: Okay, you can't you always be there. there. You actually go there. Of course you can't.
4: That's my point. So when I go back to Henry VIII's time, I don't know anyone that was actually there to ask, okay? So I have to rely on the historical documents, which are replacing my uh, ability to
1: be there, okay? Yeah. And that's what I want my kids to learn in school. Okay, the documents, but the documents aren't going to tell you sort of what sort of a guy he was like. It's not going to tell well, you the anything that are going to tell It might tell you about his stats, his, the writings, absolutely. And as is this the writing that was perhaps commissioned by Henry the to write a lovely kind of well, hagiographic enough, there's view there's of enough, him? There's enough, or is it going to be a real, no, real document? So there's he
4: there's he enough a information. No, there is enough information. At that any one given time that you can coagulate together right? And this is exactly what the problem is in schools now. People like you, telling kids all of this nonsense, so they, should, they don't know what question to believe. Question
1: things, kids, question no, things. No, you can't
4: question everything. That doesn't get you anywhere when you're 14 years of age, for heaven's sake. I'm going to have to call uh, in for some kind of emergency, um, you know, heart starter, I think, soon. Oh three four We're going to talk about uh, Donald Trump and the midterm elections. Believe nothing uh, that you hear from this woman to my right. This is Talk Radio. <laughs>
3: The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
1: On my life.
2: Watching America.
1: On my life. There's
2: panic in America.
4: Now, I think it could legitimately be said, regardless of uh, how he is viewed by history, uh, that Donald Trump's referendum is today. Uh, It's the midterm elections. It's halfway through his presidency. uh, And of course, uh, there are people in the United States of America who think he is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And there are other people who think he's a ghastly, terrible, awful representation uh, of a man who has completely and utterly divided a nation. We're going to talk now to Dr. Simon Radford, a US politics expert, to find out what he thinks is going to happen tonight, because, um, mm. Georgie, it's going to be very close for what we're told. There's going to be quite a big turnout, we think, on both sides. There's an awful lot of races in various states, particularly in Arizona, which are pretty much neck and neck. Uh, Dr. Simon Radford, very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. Thanks very, good much morning. For, for, thanks very much for joining us. Um, is it right to say that it is pretty, a pretty close run at the moment? And really, we won't know until the, the, the results start coming in.
6: Well, there's certainly been a lot of polling in the in the lead up to the race with races which which point in uh, one direction, and, and certainly parties have begun to sort of anticipate what the results might be. So you have both uh, races for the House of Representatives and races for the Senate. Uh, the Senate seems to be fairly close, with a few different races kind of maybe swinging the balance uh, uh, possibly towards either a good day for the republicans or a good day for the democrats um, in terms of what the republicans are saying for the house re- elections it looks as though they're resigned to perhaps losing the house of representatives to the democrats And oh, the really? question is how bad will the damage be
4: right and and how as a judge uh, a judge of these things uh will it be i mean when when you say that they if they say if they lose the house of representatives you know how bad does it have to be for it to be a disaster for trump if you like
6: well, I guess it depends on the, the kind of the, the lens you want to take. So obviously, Donald Trump is going to be concentrating on the Senate, because it's going to look rather better. So when he goes and speaks to the nation about the results, he's going to say, you've put your trust in me, the Senate uh, has stayed in Republican hands, and will totally ignore what happens to the House of Representatives. Um, what's maybe interesting is, is what the Democrats can do with the majority in the House. So it can uh, stifle his agenda domestically uh, quite a bit, and they can start launching investigations into, the White House, which I'm sure we'll all be interested in finding out what they might uncover. Not that there haven't been investigations ongoing since mm. the day he was elected, um, but there's, uh, there's certainly going to be some costs to President Trump in losing the House.
1: What What is the issue among real Americans at the moment? I mean, is this about Trump? Because he's not even on any of the ballots. It's papers, just him, really. Right? Isn't it? yeah. it's, you know, anyone looking at the papers would think we've gone back a few years. We've got Obama talking, you've know, got president trump even though he's not even on the ballot papers why is this so significant what are the real issues the americans are debating at the moment
6: well i guess there's a question of how much of this is just a referendum on trump and so is it really about a man rather than about policies Mm. but in terms of policies i mean it's it's interesting because depending on who you speak to there's a great economy everything's going very well uh, and therefore, you would think that, considering the Republicans have the presidency, the House, and the Senate, that should play to their favor. But I think people are also uh, still upset about um, about corruption in washington d c about incompetence about the the system and the problem The part of the problem with the Republicans who have been running for years and years on being anti establishment is they are the establishment so if you are annoyed and you are fed up with how things are going. There's um, only really one party you can blame. So that's kind of been uh, one of the interesting things in terms, of, uh, in terms of this. The other thing, of course, is that it's been kind of you can draw parallels with the Brexit um, vote that the economy is doing very well, but in specific parts of the country. So if you go to San Francisco, house prices are still colossal. Um, you know, Silicon Valley is still um, spewing out dollars. Mm. If you go to rural areas or you go to ex-industrial areas, you go to sort of towns, steel towns outside of Pittsburgh, or you go to rural areas, um, they're not doing so well. And these were the people really who powered Trump to victory. So it looks as though, for example, in the Midwest, which shocked the world by going for Trump rather than Hillary Clinton, after she didn't spend really enough time campaigning in them, places like Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, They seem to not to have stuck with Trump this time, at least judging by the polls. So kind of the question is, I guess, is how much can they have the Democrats have an economic message which speaks to these people to say, you know, recovery, what recovery? You've been left behind.
4: Mm. The problem the Democrats have got, though, is they don't really have a figurehead, do they? I mean, even now, when I speak to my friends in the States and say, you know, who on earth is going to run against Trump uh, if he does decide to go for a second term from the Democratic side? There isn't really anyone emerging as as a kind of front runner at this point, is there?
6: Well, in, in, in 1984, when Reagan was extremely popular, um, they had seven Democratic candidates. They were called the Seven Dwarfs. Yeah, I remember them. Yeah. And, uh, and in, uh, nowadays, you've got um, the kind of the Internet, which can mean that you can raise money from from all sorts. Uh, and it's not just a case of, you know, sort of uh, your backroom boys with cigars kind of collecting checks. It's kind of... Uh, much no, but you, still need, you still
4: need a face, though, don't you? And there's no face as yet.
6: You do. The, part of the problem is is that so many people think they can run, that the attention is split 100 different ways. Uh-huh. If, there were, if there were really two or three people who were viable, then we'd see a lot more kind of concentrated publicity on those two or three people. But as it is, you've got Cory Booker, you've got Elizabeth Warren, you've got Bernie Sanders, you've got maybe Joe Biden running again, you've got Kamala Harris. So there's a whole number of names which... Uh, I mean, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are like, who are those people? Mm. Um, And that's because we've kind of, you know, you might have read one column about one of them, but you're unlikely to know so much about all of them that you're kind of really sizing up who your favourite is.
1: Indeed. We're hearing a lot, aren't we, that a lot of there's many more people who've pre-registered, those who are able to vote have already voted, you know, the young vote as well, women getting engaged. How much do you genuinely think that's going to translate to the polling booths? How engaged are Americans in this?
6: Well, there's one thing which is true universally about Donald Trump, and that's everyone has an opinion. Uh, no, no, one, no one's bored by the idea of Donald Trump. So whether you are a Democrat who is, um, you know, sort of utterly knocked about the very idea of Donald Trump being president to begin with or whether you're part of the Trump base who thinks that he's been sabotaged and maligned, you're motivated to vote. And one of the interesting things about midterm elections is normally a bit like they say that Labour does better here when the turnout's high and the Tories tend to do better when the turnout's low. In America, the Democrats tend to do better when the turnout's high, and the Republicans tend to do better when the turnout's Mm -hmm. low. You saw people not turn out for Hillary who did turn out for Obama, particularly African-American voters, particularly Hispanic voters, particularly young voters. And normally, uh, in the midterms, those voters are less engaged because there's less publicity, there's um, less kind of money being spent, there's less national coverage. With all the Trump circus, there's certainly enough uh, coverage. There's certainly people motivated to spend money trying to get people out to vote. And there's certainly sort of a bit more natural enthusiasm than there was in 2014. So we'll, we'll see. It certainly seems that sort of judging, as you said, by the early votes that there are more people voting than the equivalent time one cycle ago, four years ago. No, indeed. Um, and whether it translates is the million-dollar question, isn't it?
4: Well, that's the thing. And, of course, unfortunately for, for those of us who are trying to predict what might happen, the polls have got it so wrong in the past, particularly the last uh, presidential election, yeah. that you don't really know whether you can even trust the polls. So, like I said, I'm, I'm wondering whether you can't really know anything at all until quite substantially late on tonight uh, and some of the early results start coming in.
6: Well, as as someone who um, you know used to do some polling, it's uh, the part of the problem is that you have to model turnout. It's it's pretty easy to find out what people think about whether they favour the Democrats or favour the Republicans. What's harder to find out is whether someone's motivated to turn out and vote. Exactly, yeah. and, and normally... whether they tell you
4: what the what, the, what they're yeah. actually thinking or whether they tell you what they think they'd like you to know that they think.
6: Well, there's that too. There used to be shy Tories, and there used to be people, especially when there were African American candidates in the United States. Yeah who would say they'd vote for him and then secretly wouldn't. Yeah. It's called the Wilder effect. Mm. And there's, there's similar, similar things here. I mean, I think what's interesting is that because people have moved, um, you might find the occasional shy Trump voter in Los Angeles. Uh, and you might find the occasional shy Democrat in Alabama. Right. But mainly, all the Republicans live in Alabama and all the Democrats live, <laughs> live in right. California. So there's um, it's separated out more than it used to be. Um, but what we don't know is... Although a lot of places voted exactly. for Trump
4: last time around that wouldn't have voted a Republican in the past, you know. So, so the, he's kind of torn up the rule book in some ways, hasn't he?
6: Exactly. So a lot of non-voters will have showed up to vote, just as there are a lot of people who used to vote, who decided to sit on their hands because they didn't like either Hillary right. or Trump. Right. So working out how you model the participation, how you model what the likely voter turnout looks like depends on, you know, what you, you know, the polls might say it's 52, 48. But actually, if a lot of those ones who are 52 decide to stay at home and a lot of the ones who are on the 48 decide to show up, then all of a sudden that, that the script can be flipped. Yeah. So it, it might well be that the pollsters have underestimated Democratic support because they've underestimated how angry the Democrats are. It might well be too that they they don't realise quite how motivated the Trump voters are to to show up and um, support the president. Yeah. So- it could I be a couple of percentage, but two, 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 three percent out either way. But that can make all the difference when you're looking at tight races like the Senate and the House. No, of
4: course. Thank you very much indeed. Dr. Simon Radford, we're out of time, unfortunately. Uh, it's gonna be a very exciting night. You can hear it all as it happens, of course, right here uh, on Talk Radio.
5: Man,
2: I feel like a woman.
0: This
4: is the Independent Republic of Mike and Matthew Wright coming up in a little while. Sarah's uh, tweeted us. She says, I heard from my friend who's Lithuanian yesterday. The government actually are in control of their heating. I was shocked they can't turn the heating up and they can't turn the heating down. It's a bit worrying, isn't it?
1: No. Yeah.
4: It's a bit like that when I lived in New York. In New York, right, they have this steam heating um, because, you know, when you go to Manhattan and you see the steam coming out of the ground. You ever oh, seen Allah.
1: that? Marilyn Monroe dress?
4: Well, no, that was just air from the subway. Oh, right. This is actually steam. I mean, you, can't, you don't want to stand on it, but I mean, basically you sometimes see a, a, a funnel in the middle of the street in Manhattan and there's steam coming out of it because the whole of Manhattan is underlaid with steam pipes, right, which which basically heat the entire city. So when it snows there, yeah. the street's actually so hot that the snow melts very, very quickly oh. and very rarely sits for very long. And all the, all the apartment buildings are heated by steam heat, so you don't actually ever have to pay to, to, to heat your home. very smart. You see, the Americans have got these things right. So there's any number of things that they could be doing uh, in this country. They could build an entire new community with steam heat.
1: Steaming the country.
4: Steaming country. And Mm -hmm. then you don't have to pay for electricity at all. Yeah, um, but, but that takes innovation,
1: it costs, you know...
4: Well, you know, the, the Americans did it, you know, I think in the, the last century, or the one before. So, uh, anyway, let's talk about time travel, because mm. it's time for Doctor Who, uh, and time for Mike Ward, who is the Daily Star's uh, TV critic. Mike, a very good afternoon to you. Hi, Mike. Afternoon, well, Mike. Doctor Who has lost a quarter of its audience, and apparently it's got nothing to do with the fact that she's a woman.
3: <laughs> no, well, I don't think it has. No, I,
4: think I, it... I, I didn't say that in, in any no, ironic way. <laughs> I said it because it was true. Yes, yeah,
3: <laughs> well, the, the, uh, the figures. I mean, uh, I would. Uh, the only thing I'd say about the figures is we don't entirely know whether it's, it's entirely sort of reflective of how it was compared to, I don't know, five years ago, because mm. viewing habits change and all the business about iPlayer and catch up yeah. and blah, 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 blah. But I, for one, have turned it off, and I don't think I'm alone Why? by any means. Because I find it in, that, uh, and I know people have been going on about this, and I don't want to be obvious about it, but this whole ham-fisted PC uh, nature of the storylines is just excruciating. It's not so much the the, the topics that they're choosing to cover or even the message they're sending. It's the way it's done. It's, it's as if it's done for people with, you, you know, a, a, you know, CBBC age.
1: <laughs> okay, for those people if, who haven't seen them, just explain well, what well, some of the most controversial perhaps moments have been.
3: In uh, the Rosa Parks incident, this is based Ooh, on the real-life yes. um, story of Rosa Parks, who um, uh, in Montgomery, Alabama in 1955, uh, famously refused to give up a seat on a segregated bus and it stirred up all sorts of uh, you know, race issues and it became, went down in history. And it's an important message and lesson in history. But the way it was done, it was so ham-fisted and you've got you've got this uh, one character um the, g- the character ryan who, who when he realizes they travel back in time they met this this character this woman but rosa parks for really oh you're one of my heroes you know you know we uh, i grew up being told everything about you and it, uh, it's such an honor to be with you, and you think, okay fair enough and then at the end you've got jodie whittaker's character who sort of uh, uh, sums it all up and she tells for she sort of ties up the loose ends by saying and what happened after this guys talking to her companions was this this and this yeah. I think, well hang on a minute this car this your companion has just said this woman is a hero of his family's so he should know more about it than you do but you have to sort of conclude the show with this sort of slightly well patronizing- i was saying i was
4: saying to julie hartley brewer earlier on today that i have a sense and i don't know if this is in any way true it's just my theory they don't want her fighting aliens anymore no. as the doctor because that might uh, be sort of drawn as some kind of anti-immigration uh, scenario yeah. i'm not joking i mean no, you know i think this is how not. these people think We've had, we've had an episode with a
3: sort of very heavy-handed, sort of Donald Trump-alike character. <laughs> we've got one coming up about... Uh, Has he got line, tiny hands? Oh, 1940s, the next one is set in 1947 in India, obviously the time yes. of the partition. Oh, for God's sake. And you just think, week after, it's, it's ticking boxes. Yeah. As I say, I don't mind, over the course of a series or several series, to take inspiration from these important historical events, and nobody's denying their significance. But it's like every week... It's, it's like going. But also, to I remember,
4: I'm old enough to remember when they had that little Scottish kid in the, in the kilt and they went back to the Battle of Culloden. Yeah. But they didn't give you a big sort of history lesson on exactly who was in the right and who was in the wrong. It's they so... just sort of had to dodge people, you know, trying to kill them with claymores.
3: I think the problem, it, it's because you've got this sort of diversity agenda. And that's yeah. all that important. As well. I don't know a problem with that. But what I have a problem with is that it takes priority, it seems to be taking priority over other things. Yeah. So it's like, let's tick that, you know, let's well, tick the diversity way, box. and then wait If it's. If it's entertaining, oh, it's, it's just the BBC but around. But, like, recently,
1: what's changed? Because, of course, we always had, you know, we had Christopher Eccleston, David yeah. Tennant, Matt Smith. They always used to get around 8 million viewers. So it's really dipped. But hasn't the BBC always had pretty sort of agenda that's like this? Well, what's it, it changed seems, I this think time it's, around? I think
3: it's, well, from people I speak to, it's it's sort of pre- prevalent on, on, a, on a, a greater scale. I mean, people I know produce radio shows who... Uh, for example, are, are um, you know being told what guests they should have in, and it's not always based on who's the most ex- informed guest. Put it
4: that way. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, uh, we I, don't do that here at Talk Radio, of course. <laughs> I just, That's why we're so popular.
3: I just think you, you know nobody's objecting to the actual points and uh, and and this the, the the thinking behind this, but do it. Don't. It's it's just a laborious. Well, it's a bit
4: like social engineering for television people, yes. isn't it?
3: Which is wrong. Yeah. It's supposed to be entertaining. Yes, please. You know, g- you know, treat us with a degree of intelligence, really? and we can learn stuff, and we can pick up. You know, we can go away and look into these issues, and perhaps learn more about them than you can tell us on Doctor Who, anyway. Yeah, exactly. And come to our own conclusions, but don't sort of. Ram it down our throats in such an obvious, clunking, Well, I hated it. I
4: saw, when I was in the cinema with my kids, and I saw a trailer for Doctor Who, which immediately incensed me anyway, because I'm thinking, well, why (laughs) are the BBC spending my money on putting out an advert on the cinema screen? Mm. In which she said, I just like to help people. Yeah. And I just went, oh, Really? Why don't you just kill a few cybermen instead? Yes, absolutely. You know, that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah. uh, Mike, we of time. Thank you very much Thanks indeed. Well. Mike Ward, uh, Daily uh, Stars p- TV critic.
1: Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
4: If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say.
3: The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all
6: the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen